And I'm going to jump right in and I'm going to talk to you about David's proclamation, what he said to the giant. Because I believe the contest was won before he ever threw that rock into his forehead. So let's read. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. His giant was approaching him very menacingly. And the man, uh, go back. And that's okay. And when the Philistine looked out and saw David, look at what he did. He disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? Did you come to me with sticks? Talking about David's shepherd's staff. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me. And I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. That is not a pretty sight. Look at the threats coming at this 16-year-old or so. Now, David retorted. And here's where I'm amazed by this young man and what God had put in him. Instead of being intimidated, he said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you with something far superior. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Wow. Now let's move on. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He said, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I'm going to strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and here's my motivation, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Amen. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. Now read this next part with me, everybody. For the battle is the Lord's. Do you know that about your battles? Do you? Let's try it again. The battle is the Lord's. And He will give you into our hands. Father, thank you for this great, great historical account of what happened with David and Goliath. And I pray that you will raise up giant killers, not only in this sanctuary, but make our church one of many, many giant killing churches in our country. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're a giant killer. You just don't know it yet. Now, let me define what I mean by a giant killer, because some of you are thinking, wow, is he preaching violence? No, because we're going to see in a minute that our uh, enemy is not flesh and blood. But here's what a giant killer is. A giant killer is one who steps up by faith to engage and defeat the giants that Satan is using to destroy people's lives. And that's basically it. This giant Goliath was standing before the armies of Israel and the land of Israel, nation of Israel, God's called people, and mocking them and defying them and mocking their God and defying their God, making fun of their God, ridiculing their God. That was what the giant was doing. And he was threatening to make Israel subservient to the Philistines. So they were looking at losing their whole national identity and coming under subservience to basically 
slave masters. Their whole way of life was threatened at this very moment. And for 42 days, this giant has been coming out twice a day. So we're in the 83rd or 84th time now. This giant is coming out and threatening Israel, defying Israel, and saying, send somebody, just one person to fight me. And if I win, you serve us. If you win, we serve you. High stakes. Now, the Bible says that we as Christians are giant killers, but we don't fight flesh and blood. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare, we're in a warfare, are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not man-made. But they are mighty through God to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Now, we're going to see in a minute that our giant, the giants we face, are not men or women, but they are false arguments and human reasoning that defy the knowledge of God. And that's what we're up against in America right now. The, the false arguments and the human reasoning are ruining our country right now. So we're going to notice in 1 Samuel 17 that before the physical battle took place between David and Goliath, and that didn't take long, there was a verbal battle between these two because David stepped forward and said, I'll fight you. But they had a verbal contest, and that verbal contest, I believe, decided the outcome of the battle. Now, Goliath started it by saying four things designed to paralyze David with a spirit of intimidation. And church, I want you to know that Satan is always out to intimidate God's people, to muzzle God's people, to hush us up, to make us afraid and intimidated to speak out for the Lord or to, to lift up God out there in public. And, and really the heat has gone up in our country Persecution is actually moving throughout our country now against Christians on an increasing basis. And so there is this, this, this attempt, I believe, to intimidate believers. And we must resist it. Because David said, you know, the whole Israeli army is behind me quivering in their tents in fear. But not me. I have learned to not be intimidated. And Goliath, you will not intimidate me. But I want you to look at what Goliath did. First, he disdained David as a person. He ran him down as a person. He wanted to undercut David's confidence before he ever entered the battle. It says, when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. This means he looked David up and down, kind of gave him the once-over, and looked at him with smirking contempt. You disgust me, was Goliath's attitude. Who are you, you little squirt? Did you know that when Satan attacks you, one of his favorite tactics is to define you down? He wants to define you down as a person. He may do it in the theater of your mind, in your own thought life, where he's got you whittled down, where you don't have any confidence. You don't have any boldness because you don't think anything of yourself. You don't feel strong. You don't feel able or capable. He runs you down. Who do you think you are? You're a nobody. You're nothing. You're born under a bad sign. You're, you don't have it. You're not all that. Goliath's words were designed to attack 
David's confidence. You know, uh, I have learned through the years to be very, very selective in who I allow to define me. Who or what I allow to define me. Do you know that every day of your life, somebody or something is trying to define you? And they're either defining you down or defining you up. Now let me tell you about God and the, and the, and the devil, Satan, our adversary. Satan will always define you down. Always make you feel small. Always make you feel like you're not worth anything. He'll always try to knock the confidence you have in God out from under you. But God will always define you up. God will, Satan will say you can't. God will say you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Listen to the way that God defines you up. You are blessed in the storehouse, blessed in the field, blessed in your going out, blessed in your coming in. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a called out people that you may show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're chosen. You're called. You're selected. You're valuable. God loved you so much. He died on the cross for you. But here now is the personification of Satan in this giant Goliath. And look at what he's doing. He is disdaining David, running him down The second thing he did, he belittled him as a soldier. He disdained him as a person, and he belittled him as a soldier. The Philistines said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Where's your sword? Where's your shield? Where's your spear? Where's your javelin? What do you think you're doing? You're no soldier. You're a joke. And our enemy Satan does the same thing. He looks at us when we enter into the battle against a giant in our life, and everybody faces giants. It can be a habit. It can be a relationship. It can be a weakness. It can be a physical affliction. It can be a financial crisis. We have giants we face. And those giants every day come strutting out several times a day. They come lumbering up to us in the, in, in the, in the hallways of our thinking, in our thought life, and they mock and ridicule and defy God in our life. They defy our purpose. They defy our destiny. They defy our calling. They say, you will never be who you were called to be or reach what you think you're going to reach because I am going to stop you. And they stand in our path. And they say, you're, gonna, you're going to defeat me with that silly Bible? What is that Bible in your hand? And they mock us. and You're no soldier. What do you think you are coming against a giant like me? I've been in your life for years, and I'm going to be here for years longer. You can't defeat me. You're no soldier. You don't have it. That's the enemy in our mind. But David soon proved otherwise. And listen, so will the believer who resists Satan's intimidation and uses the supernatural weaponry God has given to us. We have the weapon of prayer. We have the weapon of praise. We have the weapon of the Word of God. We have the weapon of the name of Jesus. We have the weapon of fellowship. We have the weapon of the blood of the Lamb. We have the weapon of our testimony. We've got weapons at our hands that defeat the devil. Goliath disdained him as a person, belittled him as a soldier, and he cursed him by his gods. That's heavy. One translation puts it this way. So the Philistine literally called on his gods, plural, to curse David. He was speaking a a curse on him. He knew what David believed in. 
And he's mocking David's God right here. He's mocking David's God by saying, you think you've got a God? I'm calling on my gods to curse you. He's trying to speak a curse on him. Essentially, Goliath was saying, my God's greater than your God. It reminds me of the contest between Moses and the magicians in uh, Egypt. And Moses threw his rod down, and it became a serpent. They threw their rods down, and they became serpents. But Moses' rod devoured their rod, and every act of magic they tried to perform, Moses outdid them. The power of God on Moses outdid them. This was literally a power contest between the gods of the magicians, the false gods of the magicians, and the mighty God of Moses. And it's the same here. Goliath is saying to David, my God or gods are greater than your God. And he's mocking and defying David's God. And when Satan attacks you and me, he often belittles your God and my God. He belittles the God we put our faith in. God can't help you. He's weak. My God is greater. In one of the Psalms, David describes this kind of attack. Psalms 42.10, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where's your God? You say you've got a God that helps you. I don't see him helping you. Where's your God? I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I have. Well, if, if, if God is your God, if he's such a great God, why are you having this struggle? Why are you having this sickness? Why are you dealing with these trials? If your God is such a great God, where is he? My God is greater than yours. So Goliath disdained him as a person, belittled him as a soldier, cursed him by his gods, and he ended it by threatening him with his very life. And it, it was a scary picture he drew. Come to me, I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, the wild beasts, the coyotes are going to chew on your body. You're going to be dead by sunset tonight. Squirt, teenager, no count. The reason I love David so much, his response to Goliath's verbal attack, this incredible assault that was sent against him, uh, gives us a perfect model to resist the spirit of intimidation Satan wants to put on us. And I pray that I preach any intimidation right off of you today. You don't ever need to be ashamed of Jesus Christ or of, of, of the cross of Christ, the blood of Christ, the word of God, because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. We need to get out there and be very, very proud of Jesus. Amen. Now, first, David focused on the superiority of his position. He focused on the superiority of his position. Goliath has already mocked his God. Now, David's first answer was to reply to Goliath's mockery of his God. So David uses two words for God in the Hebrew language when he answers Goliath. So I'm going to insert those two Hebrew words when I quote verse 45. Here's what he said. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Yahweh of hosts, Yahweh, the God Elohim of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, what was David saying there? Yahweh, I come to you in the name of the Lord Yahweh, 
of the, the Lord of hosts, Yahweh means the ever-present God. The ever-present God, the one who is always there. He's with you. He's above you. He's below you. He's beside you. He's within you. He never leaves you, never forsakes you, never walks out. When everybody else walks out, he walks in. He is never going to turn you away. He's the God who is there. See, Goliath's been saying, where is your God? I don't see your God. You're, you're about to die. David said, let me tell you about my God. And I'm going to answer you and tell you about my God. My God is with me right now. And because he's with me right now, you are coming down. Can you say it with me? He's ever present. Now, Elohim, on the other hand, when he said, you come to me, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, Yahweh, the God Elohim. Elohim means the true God as opposed to false gods. So David is answering Goliath's curse. When he called on his God's plural to curse David, David said, well, you've got it all wrong because the only one true God is with me. He's with me. And because he's with me and he's the real God, the true God, I have no doubt about the outcome of this battle you, Goliath, are going to be defeated. Folks, I'm going to tell you, he's saying to Goliath, you trust in your weapons, but I trust in Elohim, the true God, who is my Yahweh, my very present help in the time of trouble and need. I don't care what giant is coming against your life today. You need to know that your God who came into your life through Jesus Christ is right there with you. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He is Jehovah Shalom, your peace. He is Jehovah Rophi, your healer. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, your righteousness. He is right there, right now. And because he's with you, who can be against you? When God is on your side, you're always in the winning position. It's a win-win. That's why Paul said, if God before us, who in the world or what can be against us? And he said, "More, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. David said, he's here with me. David knew that with God on his side, he could not lose. He was in a superior position. Now, the second thing he did, he looked at the giant. And listen carefully to this, because this is everything in battle. He looked at the giant through eyes of faith. Now, I'm going to inform you today that faith has two things. Faith has an eye and faith has a mouth. Faith sees and faith talks. Got real quiet in here just now. He's teaching some friends, strange false doctrine. No. Faith has an eye. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. See, faith is not blind. Talk, you hear about blind faith? Faith isn't blind. Faith simply sees what the natural eye can't see. That's what it does. See, you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, how many of you can say today, I love Jesus? Well, how can you love somebody you have never seen? How in the world can you love somebody you have never seen? I'll tell you how, because with the eye of faith, you have seen him, you have beheld him, and you have fallen smack in love with him. David, looked at Goliath, not through eyes of fear, not through eyes of doubt, 
but through the lens of faith. And here's what faith said to him, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He wasn't looking through any other eye but the eye of faith. Now you can face your giant through the eye of doubt. I'm going down. Through the eye of fear, he's going to take me out. Or the eye of faith, he's done. He's done. And I like what his faith showed him. It showed him first faith's time. He said twice, he said, today, today, the Lord will deliver you. Now, let me tell you what hell's favorite word is. It's someday. God's favorite word is today. See, you know how many people are going to end up in hell because of someday? Someday I'll get right with God. Someday I'll repent. Someday I'll respond to the conviction he's put on my heart. Someday I will turn to him. Someday. But in the meantime, I'm going to party hardy. I'm going to live the way I want. And someday when I'm old and I'm done with all the sinful living I want to do, then I will turn to him. But you know what I've read and you know what I've learned in years in the ministry? When you put it off and put it off and put it off, someday often never comes. But God says, today is the day of salvation. Today, when he is calling you, today respond to him. When he's convicting you, today turn to him. When he is calling you, today respond and yield to the call and the knock of grace. Today is the day. And David said twice, Goliath, your days of mocking Israel are over today. When you woke up this morning, you didn't realize it was your last day. Today I'm going to bring you down. Today God's going to give you to me. There was a timing that faith had. What are you expecting God to do soon? He saw faith's object. It was the Lord looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The focus of faith, the focus of the warrior, the focus of the believer is to be the Lord. And he was looking right at the Lord, Elohim, Yahweh. He saw faith's expectation. God, here's my expectation. God's going to give you to me, to me. God's going to give you to me. You're not going to get me. I'm going to get you. You're not taking me out. I'm taking you out. I have an expectation that faith has given to me. Now I'm going to ask it again. What are you expecting today that faith has put in your heart? Because faith is pregnant with expectation. You wake up every day and you say, I just can't wait to see what God is going to do today because God is going to give me what I've been believing for. There was an expectation and he, he knew what it was. God's going to give me this giant and he's going to do it today. And my focus is on the Lord. And that's what faith let him see. Friends, to be a giant killer, you've got to view your Goliath through the eyes of faith. Are you doing that today? With that relationship, that marriage, those children that have gone haywire, your financial problem, are you looking at the giant, that temptation, that habit that is eating away at your life? Are you looking at that giant through the eyes of faith? You should. And third, he spoke what faith told him. He saw what faith showed him, and he spoke what faith told him. The amazing thing about what David said is how specific the vision of victory was. Listen to how specific it was. I'm going to strike you, Goliath. Here's what I'm seeing, and, and here's what faith is saying to me. 
I will strike you, and I'm going to take your head from you. He so believed what faith showed him that he told the giant he would cut his head off that day, though David had no weapon with which to do that. He didn't care. He wasn't worried about how. He just knew that it was going to happen. You know, you're walking by faith when you say, I don't know how, but I'm going to leave the how to God. I just know what I see, and I just know what I hear. And he didn't stop there. He said, and I see more. Let me inform you before we fight, before we engage. Let me inform you of what else I see. This day, there's another today. This day, I'm going to give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the field. Here's this 16-year-old saying, not only am I taking you out, but I'm going to take out the whole army. Now, either he's crazy or he's walking by faith and he's moving in the power of God. You see, if, if you can do it, it's not of faith. But if you can't do it, that's when you need God. David was literally envisioning a total, complete rout, a thoroughgoing defeat of the entire enemy starting with Goliath and the rest of his cohorts. He saw the whole sad spectacle of a defeated Israeli army completely turned around in one day. And we know the rest of the story. As he was finishing his last sentence, it kind of sounded like a little bit of a helicopter starting to take off. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Goliath heard, today I'm taking you out. And he remembered David's arm stretching out straight and thud, down he went. The Israeli army looking out the flaps of their tents. They said, he did it. And they all ran out and they chased down the Philistine army. And the entire Philistine army, just like David had seen, was defeated. And in one day, the shame and reproach was taken off of Israel. And an entire nation was delivered by one man in one hour, one giant killer. Man. Now I want to close by mentioning what I believe is the giant we're facing today. Church, we're facing a giant. Now we're either going to do like the Israeli army did and we're going to hide in, in the, our tents and act like it's not there and close the flaps and act like it's not there or we're going to enter the war and engage the enemy. Okay? If you were to ask me what I think today's greatest Goliath is, I would have to say the giant of secular humanism. Secular humanism. Secular meaning non-religious. No God. R secular. Humanism meaning man-centered and not God-centered. There's no God. Secular humanism is a philosophy. It's one of the strongholds that Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 10.5 because it is a false argument that defies God just like Goliath did. Secular humanism is defying God in our day. It is attacking the church. It is defying the word. It is defying the truth. It is defying Christ. It is defying our message. And it is attacking everything we hold dear. Secular humanism says there is no God, no afterlife, and no such thing as evil. That's their stated belief concepts. No God, no afterlife, no such thing as evil. That's our Goliath today. 
You say, well, Pastor Jeff, you know, this is kind of philosophical for me. Listen, secular humanism attacks you every day. It attacks your mind, your life, your faith, your God, your Bible, and your freedom every day. It is secular humanism that fuels and propels the endorsement of abortion, social acceptance of homosexuality, and the total removal of God from society. Get God out. We don't want God. We don't believe in God. We want man to rule, not God. Secular humanism has a handmaiden. It's called political correctness. Through political correctness, secular humanism enforces its code of ethics, which is essentially this. Don't judge as being wrong the things that we secular humanists deem to be right. Don't bring your religion into the public square and tell us what's wrong. We will tell you what's wrong and what's right. Things such as abortion, homosexuality, sexual perversion, atheism, same-sex marriage, and so forth are all children of secular humanism. As a matter of fact, do you know that when the Supreme Court ruled last week, I think last week, uh, and, and struck down the Defense of Marriage Act, they opened a floodgate. We're going to see things in this country we never thought we would ever see. And let me tell you, folks, it's a battle. Now, I'm not called to stand up here and tickle your ears and whisper sweet nothings to you so you can go out feeling better. I'm going to tell you the truth. We're in a battle for the very heart and soul of this country. And our giant is secular humanism. As I speak, secular humanism in America has placed Christianity right in its crosshairs. Secular humanism and its proponents are increasingly demanding that Christians embrace their worldview. What did Goliath say to David? If I beat you, you're going to serve me. But if you beat me, I will serve you. We are right there in America today, church. We're there. Our Goliath is saying, beat me, I'll serve you. But if, if I defeat you in the public arena, you will serve me. And secular humanism was one hard taskmaster. Our own government has ruled that Americans must embrace and even celebrate homosexuality, that we must honor the abomination of same-sex marriage and celebrate it. So, Pastor Jeff, you sound bigoted. Oh, please, don't go there. The Bible is very clear, Old Testament and New Testament, that such a notion is not in God's plan. Jesus quoted Moses, Have you not read, A man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, female, and the two shall become one flesh? People say, That's just a piece of paper. No, it is becoming one flesh. When your um, auto dealer, like say Ford, when they created a car, they created gasoline to go in that tank, not sand. If you decide you're going to disagree with Ford and pour sand into it, go ahead, disagree with Ford, but it won't drive. <clears throat> And our government has legislated into law that Christian-owned businesses like Hobby Lobby, 
who Kathy and I shop at fairly often, must participate in the vile abortion industry by way of Obamacare. And did you know the president and founder of Hobby Lobby has been in court for months now and spent millions and millions of dollars to get the demands of Obamacare off of him as a Christian business owner because he will not he will not purchase insurance that involves itself in aborting babies, and he can't do it because of his conscience. He's had to go to court in the land of the free and the home of the brave so that he doesn't have to comply with that. Now, now in the paper, it'll call this that I've been describing the culture war, but the Bible calls it spiritual warfare. That's what it is. So how do we respond? We do exactly what David did. I'm telling you, church, the answer to this country is not Democrat, it's not Republican, it's not Libertarian, it's not Washington. The answer to what is vexing this country is sitting in this room and in sanctuaries like this all over America. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. That's right. Amen. Amen. Yes. So what did David do? He realized the superiority of his position. We've got to realize the superiority of our position. I'm not superior, but this is. How do you overthrow false values and false philosophies? With truth. So it's time to stand up and speak up and don't bend, bow, break, or back down. We're going to have to see through the eyes of faith, seeing faith's time today, faith's object, the Lord, faith's expectation. God's going to give us the victory. And speak what faith says. Speak what faith says. I just quoted the promise to you, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. What does faith say? God can turn it on a dime. He really can. I wish I had time to go into history. I don't. I wish I did. I'll do it another time. But nations have been in just as much trouble as ours in, in the past. And God has moved. And turned it. But folks, if it doesn't turn, we face certain judgment from the hand of God. It must turn. And God's the only one that can do it. And I believe He can and will. Can we stand together? I'm going to ask you to bow for a moment of prayer, would you? Because that word that I preached a moment ago, today, today, what a great day today is. You know why? Because we have the opportunity right now to respond to grace today. And I don't know many of you who are here today, but I do know this, all of us need God. And maybe you used to walk with him and you've strayed, you've gotten away. Maybe a giant got into your life. And is right now defying God's purpose for you and hindering you 
from going on with God. Do you know that today you can just say, Lord, forgive me for anything that I have done to block my relationship with you, and he'll do it. You can leave this building with a great today over your life. That was the day I turned. That was the day I took advantage of God's grace. God loves you today. He wants you to have victory, and he wants you to walk in peace. And maybe you've never in your life said, Jesus, forgive me, and come into my heart. You've never, there's a question mark in your mind as to whether or not you've ever been saved. Turn to Christ. Invited him into your heart. You can do that today. Today is the day of salvation. So you can say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in one of those two categories. And I know it. And God's already been dealing with me about that. You saying this only confirms what God has already been nudging me about. Would you let me pray with you? Because I believe today is going to be the day of a turning point for you. So if you can say, Pastor Jeff, that's me. Would you raise your hand right where you are? I need Jesus. I've gotten away and I need to come back. I need to come to him. And I have a giant that I need to feed. Can I see your hand? Put it right up towards the Lord. 